The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, here's your host, Josh Getzoff. Welcome aboard, everybody. Time for another episode of the Scoop Podcast, presented by PPG. I'm your host, Josh Getzoff, and in this episode, it's time to get to know a guy who's really carved out a place for himself in the National Hockey League over the last two seasons, that being Penguins center, Teddy Bluger. I had the chance to go one-on-one with Teddy, who's originally from Riga, Latvia, and learn a little more about the journey he took. And it was a long one, trust me on that, from that quote-unquote small big city in Europe, as he puts it, to reaching his goal of making it to the National Hockey League as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Bluger's the kind of player that you love to have on your team, but you hate to play against. He's cerebral out there, as head coach Mike Sullivan would say. He is so smart, but also has a gritty and sandpaper aspect to his game that's allowed him to gain the trust of the coaching staff in critical moments in games. And after putting up career offensive numbers last season, Bluger's on pace to surpass some of those totals as the team wraps up action here this season in the month of February. It has been a wild ride with a lot of twists and turns for Teddy Bluger, although you could also argue this ride is only just beginning. So take a listen to my conversation with the Penguins forward in episode 41 of the Scoop Podcast, presented by PPG. Teddy, it's a, a big seat, but I think you can handle it. Uh, thanks for being here on the Scoop Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Great to have you on. And uh, I have to ask, you know, the first thing that I see every time when I write in your name and my boards and when I do my prep for games is the hometown, Riga, Latvia, which is a, a long ways away from Pittsburgh. But for you, what comes to mind when you hear that name, Riga Latvia? What, is, what does that bring back for you? Um, a lot of childhood memories, just kind of the overall sense of the place. Like, um, I don't know, you know, like like for me, it's like when I go back there, it's like the air is a little different. It just, just feel, feels like home a little bit. Um, just uh, beautiful nature, great people, um, really good food. Kind of obviously Latvia is a pretty small country. Uh, Riga's the biggest city, but it's, I mean, compared to most big North American cities, it's pretty small. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, you think of, I guess when you think of Riga, you think of the old town and all, all the restaurants and, and uh, things to do there and just like kind of the overall vibe. And uh, yeah. What was life like growing up there? I mean, you mentioned being a smaller town, but obviously a bigger town in the context of Latvia. What was it like growing up there as a young guy? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, my childhood was filled with, uh, sports, a lot of different sports mostly. Um, and just kind of going from school to practice all the time and games on the weekends and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, the, the country is very small. I think now the population is like, uh, maybe around 2 million people or so. It might, might even be less, but yeah. So, I mean, in the hockey world, like growing up, there's, you know, a little over 10 teams and everyone knows everyone and, um kind of a tight-knit community that way for for hockey for sure i think uh i mean yeah so it, it was a lot of fun um you know getting to travel around some some european countries for youth tournaments and stuff like that too so um those were always good too i i did a little bit of research just on latvia in general and i promise like eventually we're going to get to some other stuff in this conversation <laughs> Uh, but I found the national dish of Latvia, which I'm about to butcher insanely, but I'm curious if you've had it. Uh, Peleki Zirni Arspeki. Does that ring a bell or is that just complete? Uh, 
I don't know. Sometimes with these national dishes get tricky. I think I kind of know what you're talking about. But uh, yeah, like for me, my family is Russian. So it, it was kind okay. of like a weird mix growing up um, because it used to be Soviet Union. So there's a lot of still a lot of Russian people that live there. So it was like a weird mix of like, you know, ever, like I was born in Latvia. So I'm kind of Latvian, but my, you know, I speak Russian at home and kind of my family's more like we eat Russian food, like follow, you know, the culture and the traditions more that way and um, a lot of my friends growing up were the same way so it's like it's kind of like a weird balance okay yes because you're, you're almost like a separate group of people within a country if that makes sense but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I mean I think I have a basic idea of what you're saying but I'm not exactly sure yeah they so, said it was uh it's like local peas, which are like similar to chickpeas, fried onions, and dry, uh, diced speck was like the, the dish. So I don't know if that's anything you've had. Okay. Yeah, as a dish. Okay, I've, I've seen that before in like a pierogi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. but not not just like on its own. So you're more of like the borscht and all that stuff. With yeah, the yeah, stuff. love borscht. Yeah, like the the dumplings. Okay. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, so that that's kind of more like we we for sure ate a lot of borscht growing up. Yeah. So you know, you, you start your career in Latvia, obviously as you mentioned, a little bit of Russian influence as well. But as far as where you you were on the ground in Latvia in the Riga area, um, you mentioned going back there in the Airbnb just a little bit different. You came to North America in two thousand nine. So that was a long time ago that you came over here and started to further your hockey career. But how often do you get back to Latvia? Is it like an off every time in the off season type of thing, or is it more sporadic? Uh, yeah, it's for sure uh, at least once a year. So I'll, I'll go back usually pretty much right after the season and spend like a month, month and a half over there, and then um, kind of depends on like how the off season's going going forward from there. I guess in a, during normal times, it'd be you know if we're done in May, I'll go there to the middle of June, then come back to the U.S. and then maybe go back again for a week or two in August too, before, before coming for camp kind of depends, but yeah, I try to go, uh, obviously like when I was in high school and even in college, we'd get Christmas off and break. So I, I get to go a little more often now. We don't have those, those longer breaks. So, uh, I don't get to go as often, but I guess I go as much as I can. And I think it's tough. Kind of the tough thing for me is, you know, with, in the summer, like skating there and finding ice because most of those guys over there playing the KHL. So early July, they're, they're leaving for camp and there's not a whole lot going on as far as skates or guys to work out with things like that. So I think for training for me, that was kind of the main reason of, of being over here and um, through the, the kind of big part of the summer. But I, I definitely miss it a lot when I'm not there. And whenever, you know, every summer going back there, it's definitely a great feeling, especially the first, first little bit that I'm there for a couple of weeks is, you know, getting all the the food that I miss and um, <laughs> that I never get to eat over here and just kind of spending time, spending a little more time with family. And obviously the season just ended. So you're kind of like relaxing a little bit more, especially mentally and kind of getting away from it and change of pace, which is nice as well. Yeah. I, it's obvious in hearing you speak, there's, you have a lot of pride from your time in Latvia and just being from there. It's also kind of interesting. You're one of only 25 guys in NHL history from Latvia to play in the league. Um, I'm sure there are certain guys you looked up to growing up, but I have to imagine the guy at the top of the list for everything Latvian was one of those guys for you, Sandus Ozelinch. Uh, is he is he revered? Is he like a god back in Latvia, or is it just a, a situation where he's had a lot of NHL success and 
maybe we just link him with Latvia from this perspective. No, I think for sure when when it comes to hockey, I think he's one of the big names that I think comes to mind for everyone there. And um, hockey hockey is the most popular sport there, and the everyone follows it. Everyone's very very passionate about it. If you look at you know the World Championships and you look at the fans at Latvia, you know wherever the World Championships are, are the fans are very very well traveled for Latvia and um, are, are always incredibly supportive. So I think yeah, Sandus Ozelinch was kind of. Um, you know, he was a top player in the NHL and him being right. from Latvia is a big deal for sure. He's a big deal. And, um, I think, you know, as, as a country, everyone takes a lot of pride in that. And I think, you know, they're very proud of, of all the guys that, that have played in the NHL and, um, keep tabs on everyone very closely and, and follow along. And I mean, in general, people are, you know, you kind of feel the support, especially when you go back there in, in the summers and stuff like that, I think. Um, it's something very, very special for sure. Was he your guy growing up? Because that kind of would have been the gap there, right? Yeah, so he would have been. Uh, he was a defenseman, though. And okay. I, and I was a forward, so it was kind of a mismatch that way. But, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone followed him and saw what he was doing for sure. But I think because of the position difference, I, you know, he wasn't necessarily my favorite player because of that. Sure. So. That makes sense. Um, so, you, you know, you as I mentioned, you further your career coming to North America in 2009 and uh, go to a school that I think a lot of people who are familiar with hockey in the United States understand is kind of a powerhouse and a factory for producing some pretty good hockey players in Shattuck St. Mary's up in Minnesota. Uh, getting there in 2009, when I looked this up, I wasn't surprised to see this, Teddy, but I wonder if you were a little surprised in the fact that your first year there, you lead the program in assists, you lead them in points. I imagine as a young kid coming to a new country, you know, in a prep school situation, essentially, with a lot of guys that maybe are a little bit more familiar with the culture and everything that came with it, there's probably a lot of adjustment, but not so much on the ice, it appears, because you picked up right where you left off. Uh, actually, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that, because I, I don't really remember it that well. I remember the first <laughs> couple of years were kind of tough, um, Okay. especially in hockey, I think off the ice, I mean, everything was a big adjustment, but I think off the ice, what made it, um, it was just a cool environment. And uh, a, a lot of guys that go there, their first, they started out in ninth grade. So when you first go in there, everyone's new, no one really knows each other. So everyone's kind of starting off a clean slate. So I think that kind of helps, um, you know, given that everyone's kind of in the same boat, helps to get to know each other quicker. And, you know, we're all there for hockey and, um, the fact that, you know, you're going to school, you're living with, with your teammates, all this stuff. I think that was actually a lot of fun and I really enjoyed that part of it. And, um, obviously some great memories from that. And still a lot of my good friends are, are from that time period where I played at Shattuck and they were my teammates and stuff like that. It, but I think on the ice for sure, I, I remember kind of struggling, especially at first. And obviously back home, the competition wasn't very high, which is why I think I left. And if you look at like, uh, a lot of other players, you know, that have been successful, um, even the guys in the NHL now, I think Zemgis left um, around the same time. Um, Elvis basically grew up in, playing in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. um, Rudolf Balters went to Norway at a pretty young age as well. So I, I think when the, you know, the competition in Latvia is not very high, so it's kind of tough to, once you get to a certain age, it's a little tougher to, to grow your game and, and keep going because there's not as many good players to compete against. So. Uh, I think when I first came over here, you know, you go from being basically the top dog in, in a pretty low-level league to 
everyone what felt like was a lot better than me and there's kind of a lot of a lot of catching up to do on my part and obviously the style of play was a lot different the rinks are smaller yeah. um at that age you know like guys you know we were 14 15 years old like just knew how to hit how to protect themselves how to how to battle better than i did that was kind of a big adjustment too when you came over here was your intention to kind of see three see things through in north america or did you have thoughts of you know, okay, maybe I go play pro for a couple of years back in Latvia and figure things out. Was it hockey and education or, you know, obviously education was a part of it, but mainly yeah. the catapult from the hockey perspective? I mean, I think if you ask my parents, they'll probably say hockey and education. But for, like for me, from what I remember growing up, I was always, you know, hockey was the main thing. And uh, I guess I, I, it was never like I had a planned route to, to get to the NHL at that point. Um, I think when I first came over, I had no idea what college hockey was, and it's not 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 very well known back home. I think people at the time knew major, junior, and, um, but not really anything about college. So I, there was no plan to get here, but in my mind, obviously, that was always my end goal was to to get to the NHL, and um, that's kind of what I had my mind set on, but not necessarily like a set out path. So. Um, I, I don't think I really anticipated going back to Europe, playing a couple of years pro and then coming back. But like I said, I didn't really give too much thought on, on the way I'd get there. Yeah, and it really didn't work out that way for you anyway, obviously, getting to play college hockey. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota Mankato is, is the spot that you ended up at. I have to ask, though, were you recruited anywhere else coming out of Shattuck or was it, you know, you wanted to stay in that area and they were the ones that showed the most interest type of thing? Uh, no, that, that wasn't really, I mean, it wasn't necessarily because of like where they were at. I wasn't getting recruited a lot. I think I committed my junior year of high school, which I, I mean, it's pretty early looking back on it now, but that, that's kind of the thing with Shattuck is that it felt like it wasn't just because everyone else around me was, was getting all these offers going on visits. So, um, I was talking to a few other schools, but Mankato was very, very persistent and it was a good offer. And it just, I guess the big thing was it really felt like they wanted me there and, and saw me as part of the the program going forward. And it seemed like I'd be given a good opportunity to play and um, grow that way. So th those were kind of the biggest things, I guess, that, that drew me there. And I think it's really interesting too, like jumping into things in the college hockey front at Mankato, your first two years there, based on what I've read, I mean, you were kind of all over the place. You're playing at Mankato, then jump into the world junior championships to represent Latvia. When you look back on that experience, what was it like maybe with regard to your development? Because you're playing lots of hockey at some point, maybe learning a different kind of hockey with the college game, but also playing on an international stage where you got a lot of eyeballs on you and you're playing some of the best at your age in the world uh, there in the world juniors. Yeah, I think I think for college, it was a big adjustment step definitely for me. Like, I, I don't think I was very big or strong even at 18 years old so to go into a team we had a bunch of older guys so i remember it being even tough in practice just like physically um battling for the puck and, and possessing the puck protecting it things like that and um i think it took some time to to kind of get get better at it get stronger and get more comfortable with it in games i think obviously playing world juniors is um a little different when you're playing for latvia versus, you know, a USA or Canada. I think when you're in the top division, it's like, uh, you know, the, the difference in talent is pretty big. So, you know, a lot of the games, you're just trying to hang on as long as you can and, and hope for some balances and maybe find a way to keep it close at that level. So um, 
that was always obviously it was it was nice to be able to experience that at a younger age and, and see where you know the best players in the world are at that age i remember playing my first one was in calgary and um we played russia russia had a great team they're sweden and they just they, they killed us so it was really eye-opening from that perspective but um also a great experience yeah for sure to, to kind of see see the level that i need to get to yeah, you, I mean, you get a obviously eye-opening, as you mentioned, experience there in World Junior. Back to college, it seems to be a little bit more, I mean, maybe it's changed a bit, but there's always that grind aspect, like kind of grittier aspect associated with the college game that maybe you would see in Major Junior and stuff of that nature where it's maybe a little bit more finesse. But I think when you look at some of the guys that have come out of college hockey recently, guys like Jack Eichel, like Johnny Goudreau, there is more speed, more skill, and maybe a little bit more than people realize in the college game on all of those fronts, uh, you know, especially, as I said, in the last five to 10 years coming out of that level. When you think about that uh, and you think about college hockey in general, from being a guy that is a product of that type of hockey and that type of system, do you feel like it's maybe changed as far as the stereotype around it here in the last handful of seasons based on the types of players that are coming into the league and, you know, having a lot of success? Yeah, I think for sure. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know all the stats either, but it seems like there's more and more guys coming out of college every year. Um, they're making it to the NHL, and obviously that's good to see. And um, I think, you know, college, obviously, it kind of varies from program to program. Like at Mankato, we always kind of had an older team, um, just kind of recruited older guys and stuff like that. So that I think that changed the dynamic of a little bit. We were maybe trying to be a little more physical, uh, more overpower you versus, you know, the teams like, say, like Minnesota, they had more of like the draft picks and the younger, like skilled guys. So um, we'd kind of try and grind them out against that, against them. But um, I think for sure that there's a lot of skill and, you know, a lot of skilled players and um, the, the pace is very fast of the game. And obviously I think, you know, given how many guys have made it to the NHL out of college, I think it's a great place to, for guys to go and develop and, get ready for the next level. You've obviously come out of college into the National Hockey League, first the American Hockey League, but I want to go way back to just when you were starting at Mankato and the Penguins plucked you in the second round, uh, the 2012 draft, which was obviously here in Pittsburgh. And today, I think it's interesting because when I when when you look back at second round picks and first round picks, a lot of people are like, oh, okay, you know, two years, maybe they'll be in the NHL, especially nowadays. So many guys are just, I don't want to say rushed, but they're accelerated into a situation where they're in an NHL lineup, but maybe a little bit before they're ready. Uh, that was not the case for you. I did the math. 2,414 days between the day you were drafted to the time you took your first NHL shift. Uh, that's six and a half years. That is a long time. So I wanted to ask you, how did you take that approach from both a development standpoint and also maybe not losing faith in the thought or fact that that day would actually come for you eventually? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a lot longer than I hoped or kind of anticipated. And I think that's you know, at at that age, I think I was still 17 when I got drafted, and yeah, it just seemed like a like a whirlwind. I didn't really know what was going on. Like, um, it was just like there, I mean, a lot of the new things. I was, you know, going to be a freshman in Mankato, um, kind of a kind of a whirlwind of stuff going on, a lot of change, and obviously, you know, very exciting things. And I think, you know, given maybe how high I was picked, I I, I think I don't know if that maybe 
got to my head in the sense where, you know, I thought I was going to be given a chance early and maybe bought into the, you know, trying to be too much of a skilled player. Cause I think, you know, especially early on in Mankato, like I said, I think I need to learn the physical aspect of the game and the puck protection, um, wall, wall battles, things like that to kind of, um, round everything out and, and have a more complete game and not just, you know, rely on skill because I think as you get to a higher and higher level, you need to, you know, kind of diversify your game a little bit and, and add different elements to it to be a better player. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, my first two years at Mankato, um, I struggled a little, kind of quite a bit, especially my second year was a tough year. I, you know, I think I had four goals that year, which isn't great. And um, kind of came to a point where, you know, I think the coaches there helped me out a lot. And at the time, you know, Mike Hastings, the head coach there was, you know, I felt like he was, he was kind of going to ruin my career and was, you know, he was hard on me, but looking back on it now, it's kind of, it was a great learning experience and he taught me a lot of valuable lessons that, you know, I apply today every day and, and, and try to live by not just, not just in hockey. So I think it, it eventually came to a point where um, he basically told me that, you know, the way you're playing Pittsburgh is probably not going to want you. So, and uh, yeah, it just came to a point where I just decided, you know, that I was just going to have to every day just work as hard as I can and, and give every day everything I can to try and get better. And um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going to will my way to the NHL. And if Pittsburgh doesn't want me, then someone else will. So um, I was just going to have to find a way to work through it. Obviously, it took some time. And um, eventually, I, I did sign with Pittsburgh. I think I had pretty good senior year. Um, junior year was a step up from my sophomore year. So I just kept getting better every year. And then same thing in Wilkes. I think, you know, my first year after college, I went there and I had one assist in, in 20 games combined with playoffs. So not great. And then next year was a little bit of an improvement. And then the following years were a lot better. So, um, yeah, for whatever reason, it kind of took some time. And there's definitely frustrating times where it seemed like, you know, I was playing really well in Wilkes for a couple of years now and um, just wasn't getting called up. And then I did get called up. But you know, I, I just took warm-ups for seven or eight games or whatever it was and didn't actually get a chance to play in a game. Um, so obviously that was frustrating because, you know, you're, you seem like you're right there. And um, Originally when I got called up, they told me I was playing. So obviously I was pretty excited and uh, didn't work out. So it, it just kind of, yeah, it just came together to kind of a mindset that just uh, a determination of, doing everything I can every day to just focus on getting better um, one step at a time and just trusting that in the end it'll pan out one way or another. Was that the game against, uh, was it St. Louis? I feel like I remember talking to you in the dressing room in a game that you were called up but didn't play, and we all thought you were going to play too. Yeah, I, I got called up. I flew to Dallas. It was a game in Dallas. I think St. Louis might have been the next stop. Um, okay. Yeah, it was, it was something like that, and then we came home for a couple of games, and then there's another road trip to Columbus or something like that, yeah. Okay. So it was, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, you, you were patient, and it paid off. When you did get in, I think it only took – you had your first game, and then your second game, you get your first NHL goal. And I didn't even have to look that one up because I remember your first goal, Teddy. It was, it was a rocket uh, from the left-wing circle past Anders Nielsen of Ottawa. And in. how much do you remember that? Or was it kind of a blackout when the puck came on your stick? No, I, I kind of remember it pretty well, actually, just getting out there um, – I think we were kind of forechecking, and then I put the puck in the corner. Coley went in and get, got it, and 
he made a great pass through his legs and it just kind of came to me perfectly where I don't often kind of take uh, slap shots like that, but it just, you know, he teed me up really well and um, I got a hold of it pretty good and it went in. So it, it all happened really, really quick, obviously very exciting. And um, yeah, it was an awesome moment, but it's almost like you don't have that much time to enjoy it because, you know, a minute later you got to be back out there and obviously at that point I'm doing everything I can to, to try and stay. So I got to be, be focused and kind of diligent and doing the right things and, um, you know, be responsible defensively, um, things like that. So, uh, I, I do remember it pretty well, but it, it did go by very quick. When you, uh, got back in the dressing room after the game and checked your phone, any unexpected text messages? Any, I mean, I'm sure you, you thought there'd be a few from friends and family, but was anyone like, Whoa, how does he even have my number or something like that? Uh, I mean, I guess I was just surprised with, with all the different people that were watching. It's like parents of friends, um, you know, people that I haven't talked to, or it seemed like in years, like, you know, um, that, you know, we're all watching and keeping tabs and, and reached out. So that, that was just kind of nice to see if, um, yeah, that, you know, they cared enough to, you know, when they saw it or whatever, I don't know if they're watching the game or just saw it on the, you know, somewhere online or whatever. But that they care enough to reach out, so that was that was nice to see. I was definitely I was definitely surprised by how many people reached out for sure. Yeah, I think even you scored the next game, if I remember correctly, against Toronto too. A couple there yeah. in a row, right? Yeah. So yeah. you had a good little stretch there. I'm sure a whirlwind couple of days, but also obviously when you look back on it, especially those you know handful of games you played that year, pretty big couple of steps forward in your career. As we fast forward to last season, that was your first full uh, NHL campaign. I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, but a lot of players say it this way. Obviously, I've never played in the league, so I'm asking you this. Did you feel the game kind of slow down for you a little bit last year as far as just getting more acclimated to being an NHL player and everything that comes with that? Or is it still, uh, you know, a game where you feel like you need to be absolutely, you know, engaged, involved, activated every single second of every shift? Uh, I mean, it's for sure slowed down. I think, you know, you adjust, especially – um, the longer you play, it does get a little slower for sure. But I think the second you're not dialed in or, you know, it seems like the second you make a mistake, the other team punishes you right away, right? Because you're, yeah. you're get up against such good players every night that you can't really afford to, to, to make a mistake. And um, obviously there's high competition for spots on our team too, as there is on every team. So um, guys are kind of battling for ice time, battling for spots, all that stuff's going on too. So I think, you know, it's kind of a balance where it has slowed down. I feel like now compared to even where I think back like a year ago, I mean, I think I'm a lot more comfortable controlling the puck, um, making plays versus even at the start of last year, it was just kind of like um, kind of playing in that fourth line position where, you know, your main focus is kind of defending and, and PK. And, you know, as far as offense, you know, you're usually chipping a lot of pucks in, a lot of dump ins and, and just going in and trying to grind the other team down. Whereas now I think, you know, we still do that for sure. And there's kind of a time and a place for everything. But I think, you know, I, I feel the game a lot better. It has slowed down to a point where I do feel pretty comfortable holding on to the puck, protecting it, um, being a little more patient where, you know, waiting for a passing lane to open up or um, a shooting lane or things like that to where, you know, I'm kind of know when I'm with the puck, I know what's coming better. I can anticipate things like that. So I think that's kind of big, a big change throughout the last, you know, last, all of last year and kind of continuing this year. 
Yeah, I think all that stuff's fair to say that it's very noticeable for you, especially this year when you come in with that year of experience. And I asked uh, your psycho line mate, Brandon Tanev, a little, <laughs> a little bit about, you know, what he's seen from you, because he, I, I assume you guys didn't know each other all that well before last year. You clearly meshed with Zach Aston Reese on that line. And he said that it's a simple thing himself, obviously, an undrafted guy out of the college game. Um, so not exactly the same route as you, but as far as honing his skills, a similar route. Uh, and, and he said that it comes with the confidence of playing the game comes with experience. It sounds simple, but it's true. Uh, he's obviously now in his fifth, sixth year in the league. Do you agree with that? You're feeling with that experience that you're gaining, it just seems that the confidence comes more naturally? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's kind of a, a cycle that way where you get a little more experience, you're, you're a little more comfortable. And then, you know, you, you hold on to the puck a little longer, make a nice play. And then your confidence grows a little bit and you're like, okay, you know, I, I just held on to it. I saw that passing lane open up there. So, you know, I, okay, I can start to make these plays a little more. And then you make a couple more of those plays and, and you kind of step up, you know, it just keeps kind of growing like that. And um, obviously the, the longer you've played and especially, you know, the better you play, the the more you know, you're like, okay, I belong here. Um, I can play with these guys. You know, I can make some great plays myself. So, the more the more you believe that yourself is, you know, the more you're able to make those plays. It's it's all kind of a spiral like that. And I think obviously there's times where where you're gonna make mistakes, and you know, whether it's turnovers or whatever. And, um, I think at those times maybe it might be a good idea to to kind of simplify when you don't have a lot of confidence and and just kind of rely on um, kind of work out working and out grinding the other team. And then as you slowly build your confidence back up, it kind of goes in waves like that. But yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent with what he said, as far as like experience builds confidence. And once you have confidence, I mean, you're a completely different player than when you don't have any of it. Do you agree with him being a psycho too, or is that a bit overboard with the description? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe you guys in the media get a little carried away with that. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. We don't get the perspective you get, Teddy. We don't get to yeah. see him behind closed doors. I feel like he's probably a little different there. Well, he's, he's always high energy uh, and really talkative in all settings. But, um, yeah, he's, he's been awesome to play with and obviously awesome to get to know throughout the last couple of years. You mentioned a lot of aspects of your game. I only have a couple more for you and then we'll be finished. Um, when you go to a situation like you just had here over the last, what are we now, 11 months into this pandemic, um, you go into an off season where you go into a pause where you're not really sure if you're going to restart or when you're going to restart. And then you go into an off season when you don't know when the next season is going to start. But as you mentioned, your confidence was growing, your feeling of belonging in this league was growing. So what did you feel like you needed to really hone in on and how were you able to do it in that gap? Uh, I guess those couple of gaps first in the pause between the playoffs last year and then the stretch between the end of the season last summer and the start this past January. Yeah, I mean, it was really, really weird. I think early on when the pause first happened, I think I, you know, personally, I, I wouldn't, didn't really believe it was going to last more than like two, three weeks. Yeah. So I, I was thinking, you know, we, I remember flying back to Minnesota and um, I didn't even bring a whole lot of clothes with me, but obviously um, had to stay in shape somehow. The ranks were closed, so our, our strength guys here were awesome and worked with us. And based on the equipment, the gym equipment we had at our house, put together a workout program. So um, I was doing that, spending time, you know, outside. Whether it's, I think it was March, so it was still pretty cold. But um, 
you know, by, by April, we're playing basketball, playing tennis outside, kind of staying as active as, as we could be at that time. And then, um, once the, once the rinks opened up, it's been like over a month since we've all skated. So it was weird. I think everyone's kind of itching to get back on the ice. And at that point you're just kind of, um, you're not sure. It, I can't remember when they find, you know, when they agreed to do the bubble or what happened with that, but you at that point, we we're just trying to get some ice. Um, a bunch of pro guys were just getting together and skating when, when we could and, um, find ice that way. And, and then after the bubble, I think, you know, we, we didn't know when the season was going to start either, but I think you kind of with, I mean, I guess the news were kind of mixed, but you're hoping that around Christmas time or so we would start. So you, I think that's how I was training is with that date in mind, kind of being ready around Christmas and obviously working with the strength coaches here very closely with the workout program and stuff. And, um, it was a little easier in the fall with ice just because all the rinks were open. Obviously there's a lot of different rules with the locker rooms and whatnot in different States, but, um, you're kind of able to get good ice and good skates and kind of prepare like similar to what you would do for a normal season. I feel like also, you know, as you kind of get used to getting ready for a new year, you dial into really certain aspects of your game. You're kind of like zeroed in, uh, to, to any little, nuances here and there to get ready for a new season and once you're in that season everyone else's job from the outside including mine is to zero in on some nuances of your game and make some comments and thoughts so one thing i've noticed has absolutely nothing to do with your play in game but pre-game you got no bucket on in the warm-ups what's the inspiration behind that i mean listen i know your hair's not in its best spot right now but as someone who really takes a lot of pride in their hair, I think you do have great hair when you get it going for the warm-up. So, so what, what's the, the thought behind that? And is it just kind of a, a new thing or a superstition or anything of that nature? Uh, no, it's, it's kind of actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, I was asked about it in the media a little bit or last week or something. But it's kind of uh, went back and forth. I think it started uh, towards the end of last year or so. Uh, I did a one-time... Uh, we were playing Montreal and, and I did it there and, and we ended up winning and I had a pretty good game. So then I did it the next game, another pretty good game. So it just kind of kept going from there. So then, um, yeah, so then I kind of stopped wearing it for a while through all the second half of last year. And then, um, wasn't wearing it in the bubble. Obviously things didn't really go our way in the bubble. So then started this year, I was like, I'll put it back on. And then, uh, yeah, and then the last couple of games I've taken it back off. So it's kind of, I guess it's been kind of ebbs and flows. And um, yeah, nothing special. I mean, I think, you know, when you go one or the other, say, you know, I decided to take my helmet off. I have a pretty good game. And, you know, chances are next game, I probably throw no helmet too. Fair enough. All right, that makes sense. I, I enjoy it for what it's worth. If I if I had the opportunity ever, I would not wear the helmet either. Uh, I tell you, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you doing that with me. I appreciate you, you lending some time. I know the schedule's a little crazy, but uh, it means a lot. And we wish you the best of luck. Keep up the great work. You're certainly taking steps forward this year. We're really enjoying watching it. So thanks as always. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Always enjoy chatting with Teddy Bluger. And even though this was done virtually, I like to think I still had to wait to talk with him until he was the absolute last person off the ice for the Penguins at practice, like would really be the case in a non-COVID world with us getting in the dressing room and being able to speak with the players. And really, that's just how Bluger is wired. He is the last guy off because he knows, as you heard, nothing is given at this level. And it's definitely fair to say everything Teddy Bluger has 
is earned. He only knows one way to go, and that's the way to put his head down and work. And he is a guy you certainly cheer for because of that mentality. Again, big thanks to Teddy for spending some time with me, and best of luck to him the remainder of this season. And a big thanks to all of you for tuning in. Hey, if you aren't already, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. We're available on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Music, lots of channels. And links to every episode are also available on pittsburghpenguins.com. It was a fun one in episode 41 with Teddy Bluger, and we'll be back with another podcast real soon. We'll talk to you then. I'm Josh Getzoff. This has been the Scoop Podcast, presented by PPG. Be well, everyone. Bye-bye.